Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you this beautiful Monday morning. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for Daily Devotions through Redeeming Life Fellowship. And I met, I'm sure I've met most of you, but maybe I haven't met all of you. I'm, my name's Dan. I'm a teaching pastor here. And I'm just excited that you've decided to take some time out of your day to be able to read the Bible together so that we can learn and grow together. So uh, if you've been following along, you know that we've been uh, walking through the Pauline corpus, the Pauline epistles. We've gone through Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And yesterday we finished up 1st uh, Timothy chapter 6. That means that today we're going to be jumping into 2nd Timothy, which is a fascinating book for several reasons. Uh, and actually one, I think, that is um, always necessary and, and useful uh, for us as Christians to meditate on. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the, the lay of the land in Second Timothy, uh, point out a few features that uh, are useful for, for us to, to understand what Second Timothy is all about, uh, and then uh, focus on a well-known passage in First uh, Timothy, or excuse me, Second Timothy, chapter one. Uh, but uh, today, I am actually wearing uh, this shirt for a particular reason because it seemed uh, quite fitting for a book like Second Timothy. Uh, and that is, uh, if you don't know, Burma, or also known as Myanmar, uh, not but a few months ago, uh, quite a few months ago now, actually, um, the there's been a um, a military coup that's taken over the government there. Before the military coup, there was, um, um, it was illegal to proselytize, share the gospel in an open uh, manner. You're not allowed to do that. And um, once the military took over, it became even more hostile. Um, it became more dangerous to be a Christian in Myanmar to the point where, um, pastors um, and, and, and teachers who we know in, in Burma uh, were being arrested. And there was one, Pastor Z, we'll call him, uh, was um, taken into, into custody by the military. And we were praying fervently that, um, that he would be released because um, the, the ruthlessness of the military there uh, is... Um, extremely, extremely dangerous. And there's legitimate fear that we weren't sure if, if, if he was going to make it out alive. But praise God, he did. Um, he has been released um, and I'm sure is just going back into continuing the, the ministry that, that he's doing uh, in, in Myanmar. But the reason why it's important, at least to remember, to be praying for uh, countries like Myanmar or North Korea, China or Russia, um, is that um, we take our religious freedoms for granted um, and we forget most Western societies that uh, so much of the, 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 um, the world outside the West, um, be it in Africa, India, some places in South America, uh, people are, are are persecuted and afflicted um, for the sake of not just uh, believing the gospel, but living the gospel, and uh, and have to pay dearly for 
uh, for uh, the faith that they that they that they uphold, uh, even to the point of costing their lives, and that within that context, um, that's a daily reality that they have to face every morning when they wake up and say, "I'm deciding to follow Jesus." When we we remember things like that, it's easier for us to grasp something of the context and the situation that's surrounding Paul as he's writing 2 Timothy. Uh, an interesting uh, side note, uh, well, in the first place, uh, if you read the, the Pauline epistles, you know that, that um, imprisonment and persecution for faith is something that Paul would have to face uh, several times, uh, repeatedly throughout all of his missionary activities. Three missionary uh, uh, circuits plus at least one to Rome, perhaps one to Rome back to uh, over to Spain, to Macedonia and Tyre, and, uh, and then coming back again for a second imprisonment in Rome, as some estimate. And did you know that uh, at least by, by one estimation, it's, it's very difficult to, to nail down these numbers, but at least by one estimation that for Paul in, in the entirety of his missionary journeys, might very well have traveled approximately 10,000 miles. Um, now, I don't want to travel 10,000 miles anywhere, not even in a plane. Uh, but he did so, whether it be uh, on foot, on the Roman roads, or by sea, uh, principally. And he did it all for the sake of the gospel. And uh, for those 10,000 miles, by the time that Paul is sitting down to write Second Timothy... It would seem that Paul is probably at mile 9,999. In other words, it appears as though that he's at um, death's door. And by all external appearances, um, it seems as though in Paul's mind that he's about to die. So... In some measure or another, the Second Timothy almost reads like uh, a last will and testament. Or if you were uh, in a hospital with a loved one um, who um, hospice has been called in and you know that it's only a matter of time, um, very, very soon that this person is about to die. And that you're you know, sitting there and, and these could be the, the, the very last words as far as Paul is concerned, that he may ever speak to not only a person who he, he trusts, but who he loves in Timothy, because they've been doing this, this ministry and pouring themselves out for ministry together for such a long period of time. That's the context, at least some of the context that's behind 2 Timothy, as Paul is in Rome and Timothy is in Ephesus, um, and he's carrying on the work, um, and, uh, and these are are, are Paul's, perhaps Paul's last words to, to Timothy. By way of his last words, you'll see some themes, themes that are related to watching out for false teachers and false teachings that they, they propagate. Uh, there's also um, an encouragement uh, not only to, to trust God's word, but to preach it and to preach it fearlessly. And then last of all, that uh, there's so much that ties all this thing together thematically that 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 um, 
that focuses on um, suffering on account of faith in Jesus Christ. So that as we're sitting down to read a book like Second Timothy, we, we're encouraged to think about not just simply um, whether or not following Jesus is going to bring about suffering or persecution, trial, tribulation. The reality is that it will. And um, a book like 1 Timothy encourages us to think and to, to afford the right perspective about how we're going to face that persecution when that day comes. Um, it may not lead to death in the same way that uh, happened with Paul. It may not even lead to imprisonment as it was with Paul. What Christians have to do or have to endure on the road to discipleship of taking up their cross and following him uh, looks drastically different for every Christian and in different ages. Uh, but we want to, as the saying goes, be prepared for the worst and still hope for the best. Um, not for hoping for the best in the sense that um, that we can just live our lives, our Christian lives, following Jesus in the most comfort as we can possibly manage, but rather we hope for the best in that God can bring about his purposes through our lives for the most fruit for the work that he's, he's, he's doing in us. So with that in mind, uh, I want to actually read 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and uh, just focus on verses 1 through 7. And uh, this is just the introduction to it. I want to preface this when um, with uh, an analogy. I think most of us have probably experienced this, where you've been in a situation and you know that you've been almost paralyzed because of how afraid you are of the outcome. Everything around you, it seems to be clouded with uncertainty and the fear for what you feel like is going to happen to you is, is crippling and you just, you can't do anything. You can't even think straight. Um, you can't even find the right words to say. Isn't it amazing when you're facing uh, this thing that's feared, the situation that's feared, how the courage of someone else has a way of strengthening your own courage so that when you're standing with someone who is, um, who, who has the, like the internal fortitude, um, the substance that just doesn't shake that person, that when you're standing with them, like you're emboldened, <coughs> you're strengthened, your internal fortitude uh, rises up in that uh, you find that you can face uh, your fears or the things that you're afraid of with boldness, with courage, uh, in a way that you couldn't if that person wasn't there. It seems as though this is something that Paul is trying to do, where even as Paul is 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 basically at death's doorstep, and Timothy is, alas, separated by miles and miles and miles in the church of Ephesus, and he doesn't know what's going to happen to Paul. It's like Paul is using his courage in the face of death as an encouragement to give strength and courage to, to 
to Timothy where he's pastoring so that when that day comes, perhaps when, when he has to walk in Paul's footsteps, um, that, that he's going to have the courage to be able to follow through and do what's right. So let's, let's read this. And it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, very affectionate bonds between Paul and Timothy, isn't there? Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve. Interesting that in this moment, as he's about to face death, Paul is still thanking God. This man lives by the gratitude towards God. Um, where gratitude for him is not circumstantial, but it's, it's reflecting the praise and the glory um, and the thankfulness and the gratitude towards God that is worthy of him, regardless of whatever circumstance that he's in. He says, yes, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, uh, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Paul is drawing attention to like a host of witnesses that are surrounding him who stood upon faith and trust in the living God and worshiped towards him, that, um, and that the substance of that faith has been preserved and sustained and exemplified and even passed down onto Timothy, and that that's the thing that's sustaining him uh, as a pastor. Uh, that's the thing that's holding him fast. He says, I'm sure that it dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I want to close with this, that God does not give us a spirit of fear. In other words, in other words, let me, let me say this. When God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, that is the fruit of the living God, um, that those are the things that are, that you're in your, <laughs> your very deepest being. And that that's the sort of thing that sustains you in the midst of trial, persecution, and affliction. So that Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, wants him to know that what God gives in the face of, of trial, tribulation, persecution, um, the, the pressure to want to, um, um, to give up, to give up the war of attrition, um, to give up the war of persecution, that he would capitulate to a spirit of fear. That is, if you have a spirit of fear, that, that means that at the very bottom of your heart, you are controlled by fear. And it's your fear that determines 
your actions, um, your abilities, your words, your attitudes, your thoughts, the things that you meditate on, um, is all centered on fear. And Paul is saying, no, God doesn't give that to you. You're not controlled by your fear. Fear is not your master because God lives inside of you. And what does he give you in the face of trial and temptation and persecution? Um, he gives you power. He gives you love. And he gives you self-control. The, the things that, I'm a, that, I, that I fear and um, the threats around me, they're real things. But that's not going to stop me from doing the thing that God has called me to do because what God gives me, because I am his child, because he dwells in me, uh, because of the gift of God that we can give thanks for, that what enables me, what powers me to, to do what God has called me to do is his power, is his love, is his gift of self-control that I can stand and stand firm um, on the promises of God because he dwells inside of me, because that's true. Uh, there's nothing that we can't face. And so perhaps you, or like me, um, have many times um, found yourself being a slave to fear. No matter what happens, the thing that you're concerned most is about what's going to happen to you. Uh, but it is God's concern, certainly th that about what we do, and that he gives us power to do the thing that we ought to do. That brings glory to God. That brings joy. And that, like Paul says elsewhere, that there's nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Be encouraged today. Uh, take heart. Remember that God has not given you a spirit of fear. But he gives you his love. He gives you his power. He gives you his self-control. So thank you so much for, for joining us for Daily Devotions today. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be with you. Uh, if you haven't, do please click subscribe to the YouTube channel so you get daily notifications for the, for, uh, to help follow along with the reading plan. And I hope to see you all soon, whether that's on Thursday or whether that's... Uh, Sundays or Wednesdays when we all gather together and, uh, and seek God together uh, as his people. So I love you all very much. I got to finish this cup of coffee and I will see you next time.